and I continue the series. The title of my preach this morning is Not Like Jesus. We've been talking about Barnabas and uh, his excellent attributes, how, what a great guy he is. What an encouraging guy. What an inclusive man. Somebody that we're to imitate. But this morning, it falls to me to bring a negative side, which is that he's not completely like Jesus. Believe it or not, he's just a human being, just like you and just like me. And in some aspects, he is not like Jesus. Let me pray as we begin. Lord Jesus, as we've heard this morning so beautifully read and so profoundly from Ron, when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared in the person of Jesus. He saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. Through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. What an amazing verse. What an amazing truth. We thank you, Father, for giving your only Son, revealing your love, kindness and love. I pray this morning that the kindness and love of God, our Saviour, would be revealed amongst us today. I pray the kindness and love of God, our Saviour, would be revealed to us today. I pray for Jesus to be glorified, the heart of God to be revealed to us today. Holy Spirit, I pray you would make clear the heart of God for us today. I pray for every member of this church and every visitor here that the heart of God would be revealed to us. Holy Spirit, would you open the eyes of our understanding to understand the heart of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Not like Jesus. What I'm going to be saying today is this. We're weak. We're vulnerable. Do you know that? Do you feel vulnerable and weak? We're vulnerable. We're weak. There is a danger of every Christian, no matter how mature you are, if you're like Barnabas, a mature leader in the church, even Barnabas was weak and vulnerable. And you are weak and vulnerable. I am weak and vulnerable. And, the, and there is a danger of all of us falling into compromise. So this morning is a sobering message. It's a kind of a, an opportunity for us to just reflect upon ourselves and have a reality check and just to check where you are at in your relationship to Jesus. We're all in danger of compromising on many things. But the particular thing I want to talk about today is that we're all in danger of compromising on the gospel of grace. I'm going to explain what these things mean. We're in danger, I mean, yes, we're in danger of watching you know, the wrong films too late at night, watching the wrong channels. We're all in danger of reading the wrong magazines. We're all in danger of, of, of saying the wrong things, losing our temper, all those kind of things. Temptation. 
But I would say one of the biggest temptations we all have, and probably one that we don't probably major on, is that we're all in danger of compromising the gospel of grace. Jesus has died for you. You understand? He, he has come into the world and paid the debt you could not pay. Completely. The debt has gone. How much of the debt has been paid for you? How much? All of it. Every single, everything you owed. There is no debt outstanding for you and God if you're a Christian. He accepts you because of Jesus, that he died in your place, took the punishment for you. But how easily we fall away from that and begin to believe that the love of God for us and the acceptance of God for us and our eternal life and eternal acceptance by God is based upon something else like working hard. We all do it. I don't pray enough. No, you never will. You never will, will you? You don't love God enough, well, you never will. You don't give enough, well, you never will. We're all fallen. We've all made mistakes. And we all go on making mistakes. But God accepts us in Christ. Entirely. I want you to get that in your spirit today. I want you to go away from here saying... There is nothing that separates me from the love of God. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Now, you may need to deal with compromising your life. You may need to deal with sin. You may need to deal with issues of the heart, issues where you are, are messing up on. But you know what? God accepts you and loves you because of Jesus. I want you to go away knowing that today. I'm going to be, be speaking on two points. Firstly, this. That we're all weak and can compromise like Barnabas. All of us. My second point is going to be this. I'm going to be really major on the first one. Second one, we need friends to encourage us. Like Barnabas needed a friend. Over the last few weeks, we've, we've been looking at this guy called Barnabas. We've seen that he is a man who is filled with the Holy Spirit. We've seen that he's a man of faith. A man of boldness. Because of the work of the Spirit in him, he is a man of generosity. Obviously, women, I'm including you in this, yeah? Barnabas was a man, but you can be a woman in, in all these ways as well. A woman of a man of generosity. He was a man of great boldness. Last week we heard about how he preached, how he spoke. Even though he, he was facing hostility, even though he was facing persecution. Imagine yourself at work, you know, that Christian. What does he believe in? He believes in fairies, doesn't he? He believes in, he believes in nonsense. Sin fairies at the bottom of your garden, equating that with God. You know, people can rubbish what we believe. People, it can cause us to be fearful of the gospel, can't it? I can't, if I share this, people will think I'm a wally. People will think I'm silly. But you know what? Barnabas, though he faced those kind of, um, that kind of pressure. He also faced the pressure of stoning and murder, yet he still spoke up for the gospel. He still spoke about Jesus. When I talk about the gospel, the message of Jesus. He was bold, courageous, generous, faithful, full of the Spirit. He was inclusive. When the, I spoke a few weeks ago, when the disciples in Jerusalem didn't accept him, they were fearful of him. They rejected Paul, rather. It rejected Paul. Barnabas 
introduced Paul into the church and said, no, come on, this man has been changed. Let's accept him. Let's welcome him. Let's, let's draw him in amongst us. He was that sort of guy. But you know what? He was also flawed. And you may be saying, yeah, that's just like me this morning. I, I am just like Barnabas. Yeah, I can see myself there. Well, if that's you, and it's not me, if you think you're a mature Christian, a strong Christian, then you are in danger of, of compromise also. And if you think you're a weak Christian, you're also in danger. We're all in danger of compromising on the gospel of grace. Every single one of us, just like Barnabas. Let's read what I'm gonna, my text this morning, Galatians 2, 11 to 16. When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong. This is Paul writing this, a man called Paul. Before certain men came from James and from Jerusalem, he used to eat with Gentiles. When it says Gentiles there, in this situation, it means non-Jewish Christians. Okay, so Gentiles, non-Jewish Christians. But when they arrived they began to draw back and separate himself from Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. Now, the circumcision group, these are Jewish Christians who believed that to be a Christian, you also had to be circumcised. You know what circumcised means? Perhaps one of you would like to come and explain it. Your foreskin on your penis was cut off. Okay? You know what I mean. Just to be clear, that's what it meant. So these Jewish Christians were saying you had to be circumcised as well as believe in Jesus. And there's more to it than that, but circumcision group, it means that. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy. The hypocrisy of saying that to become a Christian you had to be circumcised as well. So that their hypocrisy, by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Even Barnabas. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, You are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not, inverted commas, Gentile sinners, know that a man is, and these are important words, not justified by observing the law. Not justified by observing the law. Keeping the Jewish law keeping the rules and regulations of Moses. You are not justified by doing that. That's what he's saying. But by faith in Christ Jesus. Faith alone in Christ Jesus. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified by faith. Okay, justified by faith. Justified is, you know the word justice. Justice. It means basically this, to be pronounced not guilty. Okay? Not guilty. 
Okay? How do you get that? Not guilty. By keeping the law, by trying hard. How do you get that? If you try hard to get right with God, the only pronouncement you'll get is guilty. Because none of your good acts and good works will be good enough. The Christian faith is by faith in Jesus alone, you are pronounced not guilty. It's very simple. He has done it all, and by faith alone, too good to be true, is it? Yes. It's scandalous that you lot and me should be pronounced not guilty because of Jesus. By faith alone in him, you are pronounced not guilty. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified not by faith in Christ, not by observing the law. Because by observing the law, no one will be justified. Barnabas's behaviour, whatever the problem was, okay here, whatever the problem was, was very serious. For Paul to write it down, for Paul to include it in a letter, for Paul to, um, for God to have included it in the Bible, it was clearly a serious matter. And it was called, Barnabas's behaviour was called hypocrisy, or another translation is insincerity. He was said to have been led astray. He was said to have been not acting in line with the truth of the gospel. Whatever the problem was here, it was clearly a serious problem. Do you agree? It's a serious problem. Whatever is the problem is a serious problem. This is not a darling I've burnt the dinner problem. This is a darling I've burnt the house down kind of problem. This is a serious issue here, okay? I know you said, keep an eye on the dinner, but I went out, forgot about the dinner, and the house is burnt down. This is such a serious problem that it's actually included in the Bible. This is a very serious problem. It's sober warning for us that a Christian like Barnabas, with all those attributes we talked about, could have been um, summarised like this. He could have fallen into compromise. It's a warning to all of us that we also can fall away from the gospel of grace. All of us can do it. I want to get that in us this morning. So what can we learn from this episode so that we can avoid Barnabas' failure? First point then is this. We are all weak and can compromise like Barnabas. We're all weak and can bring the first point up, Peter. We are all weak and can compromise like Barnabas. Paul is using this. See, what's the book of Galatians about? The whole book of Galatians that we've been written, that, that we've just read from, is about uh, Paul is writing to a group of churches that are in danger of falling away from the gospel of grace. That's the problem here. So Paul is using this story not just to tell tales, not just to gossip, not just to sort of build himself up and make others look bad. He is using this story to illustrate 
to illustrate the point of how easy and how we can all do it, fall away from the gospel of grace. Paul is saying through the book of Galatians, you have a choice. You can either try to be accepted by God through law, or what we call legalism. Now, we all live under law, don't we? Don't we? Yeah? We have a government, we have a queen, who, who through the government sets laws. Speeding laws, for example. If you drive through the town centre at 30, you know, providing it's not a one way, the wrong way down you know, a one-way system or a pedestrian area, you will be fine. You'll be in the law. You are a good citizen. Okay? 30 mile an hour, for a 30 mile an hour limit, you are a good citizen. But, if you go 35, I don't know where it, Brian would be able to give me the, um, you know, where do you cross the line of having broken the law? 31? 32? Raise your hands. 33? 34? 35? The law is a line that if you cross... In the Bible, it's called transgression. You've transgressed it. And if a policeman, whose, whose job is to uphold the law, and if you are a good citizen, you will also tell on that person who breaks the law to the authorities, because that's your responsibility in this um, nation, then you are guilty of breaking a law. So in this nation, to be right with the Queen, you have to keep the law. Do you get the point? To be right with the Queen, you have to keep the law. And many people think that Christianity is like that. To be right with the King of Kings, you have to keep the law. What? All these laws, all these good things that we have to do to be right with the King. Now what Galatians... Paul is writing is this, you can either try to be right with God through what's called legalism, keeping the law, or through faith alone in Jesus Christ, who kept God's perfect law, was without sin, was without guilt, but died on the cross in your place to take your guilt and sin away. And that is the good news. No one can be good enough to keep God's standards, no one. So God sent his only son into the world to die, who took our sin upon himself, so through faith in him alone, you're right with God. That is the gospel. And Galatians, he's saying to them, what on earth? I mean, I, 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 he says things like, who has bewitched you? You foolish Galatians. After beginning in the right way, through faith, through grace, you're now beginning to start thinking you have to be circumcised also. And you have to keep the law of Moses in order to be right and justified with God. Paul is very strong. And this story is an example of how we can all fall away from the gospel of grace. These Jewish or circumcised Christians who were coming into the church at Antioch were saying that it wasn't just through faith in Jesus alone that you become a Christian, but you also have to be circumcised and keep the law of Moses. 
They started, these um, Jewish Christians who come amongst them, started to say that the Gentile Christians, in effect, were unclean. We're not going to be with you anymore. We're going to separate ourselves from you. And you can see a division began to occur. In effect, it was like this. This aisle here, this group here, we're special. We're all special. We're, we're something special. But you lot, oh, you lot. We're all special, but you lot, no. You know, we're all circumcised, if you're men. And boys. And boys. But you lot, no. You lot aren't acceptable. And you can see what began to happen. Peter, then Barnabas, began to be led astray and to start to join with this group and to separate themselves from the rest of the church. You can see the division there. You can see the division there that began to happen. Imagine how you guys would feel if these lot all thought they were better than you. Imagine how it would feel for you. And that's what was going on in Antioch, and that's why it was used in the book of Galatians. They were saying that faith in Jesus was not enough. You had to also add other things also. Let's look at some key verses from Galatians, how Paul counters this. He says this in Galatians 2.16, Know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith. Just get these scriptures into you, okay? By faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified, justice is done, by faith in Christ, not by observing the law, because not by observing the law, no one will be justified. Let's read another one, Galatians 3. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit? In other words, the presence of God. To be a Christian is to have the presence of God. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? You are so foolish. After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? See the point? Human effort. Trying to get right with God through human effort. I hope you don't think that coming to the prayer meeting tonight will make you more right with God. I hope you don't think that giving to the gift day is going to make you more right with God. I hope you don't think that living a respectable life, paying your taxes, whatever, is going to make you more right with God. Human effort. No. Faith in Jesus alone. Galatians 3, let's read this final one. You are all sons of of God. Yes? All of us. Just like we're all the bride of Christ, as I say. If you don't like being, you know, I'm going to, women, you're sons of God. Men, we're the bride of Christ. Okay? So we're all kind of included. You are all sons of God. Status of sons. And that means you're an heir. Okay? To be a son in the family is to be an heir. An heir of what in our case? An heir of eternal life. Okay? 
So you are all sons, what, how? Through faith, okay? Alone, faith alone in Christ Jesus. So keeping the law in order to be justified is opposed to grace. The word grace is free gift. I'm labouring it, I hope you get the point. Grace, free gift. Free gift of salvation through faith alone is opposed to legalism. And segregation of any sort shows a complete misunderstanding of the gospel. Because all of us, whether you are a a mature Christian, a weak Christian, a failing Christian, whatever condition you are in, we are all united and accepted by God in Christ. So segregation of any sort is a misunderstanding of the gospel. If God, get this, if God accepts you entirely in Jesus, then you and I must accept each other entirely. If you're good enough for God, you're good enough for me. The problem comes is when the person you meet who has been forgiven and justified is, has done things that cause you to struggle with what they've done. And segregation can happen. We can begin to divide ourselves. So all Christians then are vulnerable and can compromise. I want to draw your attention now to your vulnerability, okay? How vulnerable are you? How weak are you? I don't know, I'm pretty strong, I'm all right. I want to bring, bring a Bible, a biblical definition of how weak you actually are, that I actually am. I want us to have a sober assessment of ourselves, I don't know if you ever watched that program, Total Wipeout. Hey. I look at it and I think, you guys should have done some more training. I tell you, if you've seen this program, it's, it's like a massive assault course. And it's really great, great stuff. But some of them are so out of shape, you think, oh... You just didn't take it seriously. You didn't think. You didn't train yourself. You're not prepared for such an assault course. And, you, and, you, and, you, and I don't and I think some of them, they understand, they're all confident. And they're like, totally not prepared. Totally out of shape. And you just think, you don't know how weak you are. You are going to... And they get to the end of it and they're like... <laughs> and they're absolutely on their last legs. And weakness, I want us to have a sober understanding of our own vulnerability. Okay? We are vulnerable. And the point I'm making this morning is not just generally that we're vulnerable to sin, okay? I want to make the point this particularly. You are vulnerable to legalism. That's the point we're making here from this passage. Not just you're vulnerable to looking at pornography, which you are. Not just you're vulnerable, you shouldn't, st- you know, staying up late on your own, watching TV, what you're likely to do. Oh, I'm going st- to switch the channels and I might end up watching something I shouldn't, right? You are vulnerable in that sense, but I want to talk about particularly the idea of legalism, of falling away from the gospel of grace. We are all vulnerable. I think sometimes we can be too confident about our ability 
to stand against the power of sin and temptation. Or sometimes we don't realise that there is even a fight. You know, I become a Christian, oh well, la-di-da, go through life. There is a battle going on. When you become a Christian, there are heavenly, demonic forces that want to pull you down. But there are also inner forces that want to pull you down as well. This winter, very, very tragically, a number of people, didn't they, they died after walking on thin ice. They ignored the danger signs. They ignored the written signs that danger, this is thin ice. We are not designed for thin ice. We're not designed. We're designed to walk on safe ground. You ignore the warnings to your harm. If you fall in, you're likely to pull others in with you. And that's what happens with sin. If you fall in, you pull others in also. And this is what happened here. Peter compromised. Then it says the other Jews compromised. And then it says even Barnabas compromised. And then Paul picks up an axe and says, boom, no more. The gangrene of legalism, the gangrene of sin spreads through the church. If you are in compromise, don't, it's not just like, oh, it's my personal issue. Sin, sin in your life will affect those around you, and particularly legalism. If you begin to think, God doesn't accept me. I'm just not acceptable to God. I know he died for me, and I know, and I know there's something that's got something to do with me getting right with God. And, but, but, but God, you can't love me the way I am. You can't accept me the way I am. Now that sounds... That sounds very, and I, and I would want to have compassion on you and help you. But I want you to understand, that is, a, that is a falling away from grace. That is a falling away from the understanding that, yeah, I, I'm unacceptable to you, but in Christ, you've done it all. And when you get that understanding about yourself and your identity, that affects everyone around you. Because you've come into this church, haven't you? All of us have. And we all have a slow self under a low view of ourselves. We have a low... Um, we judge ourselves very harshly. The world has judged us very harshly sometimes. And we can bring that into the church. And, we can th- and we, what we can do is, is be seeking to, for other people to try and make up for the deficiencies that we have. Please be, my, please be my best friend to try and make me valuable. Now, we all need best friends. But you don't have them to make you valuable. Jesus has made you valuable. Please be my girlfriend or boyfriend or husband to make up for my lack of self-worth. No. If you enter into a relationship on that uh, course, you'll carry on on that course. And it'll be a very difficult relationship. Jesus, the grace of God, makes you valuable. Okay? We are all in danger. We all have what the Bible calls the flesh. The flesh. The word is sarks in Greek. Now, the word flesh is not... It's, it's a Greek word, so we translate it flesh. But for us, flesh could mean a joint of, a joint of pork. 
couldn't it? Because it's the same sort of word. Now, the word in Greek does not, but it can mean that. But what I'm talking about now is your flesh that you have, or as the, as the NIV paraphrases it, sinful nature that you have. There is a gravity in you towards sin. Have you noticed that, guys? Have you noticed that there, there is something in you that wants to sin? Maybe you haven't noticed. I have. In myself, I have a gravity towards sin. Don't get me wrong. I have a greater desire to glorify Jesus. All right? Don't get me wrong. I desire to love God with all my heart, soul, mind and strength. Don't you? But don't you notice there's that little, come with me. Come on. We can do this. There is what's called the flesh, the sinful nature. And in Galatians, you can read it, for lack of time I won't. If you read Galatians 5, it will summarise to you the effects of the sinful nature. Division. Factions. You know what a faction is, don't you? Come and join my little group. That was a faction, what we talked about earlier. They were creating a faction. The circumcised ones, the holy ones, the ones who go to the prayer meeting ones, the ones who fast all the time ones, all the holy ones. We read our Bibles all the time ones. We're all, you know, and and the rest of you. Factions. Divisions, factions, unforgiveness. All those things are of the flesh. But can I say to you, one of the biggest temptations of the flesh is not just to look at pornography and lust. One of the biggest temptations that your flesh wants to call you towards is legalism. Okay? Legalism. Self-righteousness. It wants to pull you away from acceptance in Jesus alone. And what you'll find is, you'll start to say, no, that's not quite enough. I also need to do this. And I also need to do that. And when people come into the church, new people, you'll start looking at them going, oh, no, you can't become a Christian until you've done this, done that, done this, done that, done this, done that, done this, done that. You've fallen away from the gospel of grace. So you have a pull in you away from the gospel. The flesh is there. I could go say a lot more about it. I just want you to understand, you are vulnerable. You are, if you're a Christian, you are a saint. If you are a Christian, you are a new creation. If you are a Christian, you have the spirit living in you. If you have a Christian, you are a Christian. You are a resurrected person. You are not a dead person. You are a living person. You have a new appetite for the glory of God. But you have the flesh. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to the sinful nature. Put it to death. When it comes along and says, come on, come on Christian, join me, come on Christian, put it to death. It doesn't belong to you anymore. And I want us to understand that. We need to not walk on thin ice. Keep away from sin and temptation, but particularly this issue of Legalism. Now, how do we know if we are falling into legalism? Questions like this. You might say this. The obvious. I don't need Jesus to die for my sins. I don't have any. 
And if you're the sort, I mean, we may laugh, but if you're the sort of person that doesn't thank God every day for dying for your sins, then I wonder if you think possibly you don't have any sins that needed to be died for. I think a healthy Christian thanks God every day for giving his son to die for you. Okay? I can do better. I can do better. I can do If I try really hard, I can be accepted by God. No. That's legalism. And you know what? You may say it with tears even. You may say it with weeping. I can do better. I really can. I can really try. I really want to please you, God. We can say in a song, I really want to please you, God. Accept me. I will try harder. I will give myself to you again. Oh, please accept me. How can I be accepted? No, legalism. Jesus accepts you. The song of the Christian is, Thank you, Lord. The song of the Christian is never the hopeless, how can I be accepted? No. In Jesus. Wonderful love, wonderful acceptance. Another thing, that, statement you might say if you're tending towards legalism. God loves me because I've been good this week. Yeah, I can do the ooh, 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 ooh song. Because I've been good this week. Ooh, 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 yeah, I've set up a standing order. <laughs> no, no. You can dance like that whatever you've done this week because of Jesus. Right? <laughs> and if you... I'm not saying you all have to dance, but your exuberance of worship might point towards whether or not you're in legalism or in, or in joy of, of, of grace. Because when you understand grace, it's like, yeah, I've won the jackpot and I didn't even buy a lottery ticket. Didn't fill in the numbers. I didn't guess it. No, Jesus, he revealed himself to me. So another way you can see if you're in legalism is God does not love them because they have not been good this week. How easy we do that. God doesn't love them. They haven't been good this week. No. God loves them as well. And if you live like that, by the way, if you are judgmental, it will come and bite you. If you're the sort of person, or if I'm the sort of person that says, God doesn't love them, they're not doing very well, you know, then what will happen is that will come back on me like a boomerang. Because I'll start judging myself then. In the same way. Circumstances are bad in my life, so God does not accept me. Do you judge the validity of the cross by whether or not you lose your job, or get the job, or get the pay rise, or get the girl, or lose the girl? The validity of the cross has got nothing to do with those things. The cross is wonderful. I've prayed, read my Bible this week, so I don't feel that I can worship this morning. We strayed into legalism. So you see, my friends, legalism is there. C.J. Mahaney put it like this. Legalism is seeking to achieve God's forgiveness, sorry, to achieve forgiveness from God and justification before God through obedience to God. See that? 
A legalist is anyone who behaves as if they can earn God's forgiveness through personal performance. Legalism claims, in essence, that the death of Jesus on the cross was either unnecessary or insufficient. It says to God, in effect, your plan didn't work. The cross wasn't enough. I need to add my good works to be saved. And the good news is, it is sufficient. The cross is fully sufficient to take every sin for anyone who comes to him. And I mean anyone. I could have read to you this morning, but I won't, from this book. Death by Love, by Mark Driscoll. I could have turned to the chapter that said, I molested a child, yet Jesus is his justification. Now that's when it gets tough. The breadth of the cross covers any sin. Is Jesus' death and suffering and pain enough to justify John? If you say no, you're a legalist. Because you think he has to earn it. You think he can never get accepted. And some of you might feel like that. Can God accept me? After all I've done and do. I want to say yes, he can. He has taken your guilt away. In the Bible, on the Day of Atonement, the priest would lay his hands on a goat. And the goat would be, and it would be a, a symbol of him laying the sins on the people. And the goat would be set free into the, into the uh, wastelands. And it would be a picture of your sin leaving going away. Your sin has left in Jesus. Can the band come up please? We're going to break bread.